Life Church created this podcast because we all need healthy conversations with real people. So this podcast is here to help you start conversations with your life group, friends, and family. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the You've Heard It Said podcast. This is Allie. And this is Jason. And today I thought we could start off by talking all about grocery stores, huh. like which one's the best, what we love about them, the best shopping strategy, just all of it. Weird topic, but all <laughs> we're, right. We're going somewhere. Yep. We're going somewhere. Okay. So obviously the best grocery store is the one that's closest to you with the freshest produce, the best prices on meat and the most unique selection of spices for cooking your favorite cuisines from all around the world. And for me, that's Super Cow Nguyen. Okay, that's that's one way. <laughs> I feel like I need different categories for no. the best grocery store. No. No. Having categories totally defeats the point. There can only be one winner, and my logic is solid on this. No, there can be several winners in different categories. For example... <laughs> The grocery store that I go to is Aldi, and it's the clear winner in some areas. But I acknowledge it also has some very clear limitations. Yeah, and this is why I bring the games at the beginning of the podcast. No, okay, but (laughs) right. So Aldi is like the clear winner in cost, which is the main reason I like it, right? Like you go in, you get stuff super cheap. They have a great selection of pastries and chocolates. And and they have weekly, yes, they have weekly Aldi finds. And I have found some gems. Like I got a nice sweater blanket there one time for like 10 bucks. (laughs) And they also have really nice candles. Yes, this is clearly how we should decide in a grocery store. (laughs) Sweater blankets and candles. Right. Okay. What even is a sweater blanket? It's just like a really nice knitted blanket. It's great. Okay. That you wear? No, you just like use it. Okay. It's just a nice blanket. Why is it called a sweater? Because it's it feels like a sweater. (laughs) It's Whatever, okay? okay? But I wouldn't say that Aldi is my favorite, even though I go there all the time, because the vibe's not that great. It's kind yeah. of like you're at a food yard sale, <laughs> and you also have to bring a quarter for the buggy. The buggy? <laughs> yeah. Like, like like the grocery cart. <laughs> yes, that's what we called it when I was growing okay, up. Okay, grocery cart. Yes, whatever. Anyways, my favorite grocery store is called Uptown Grocers, but it's like really bougie. Like they make handmade soaps and there's a florist and they have fancy assorted cheeses that look like heaven. And then they sell breakfast and lunch in the deli and it's just very wholesome. But it's like way out of the way and it's really pricey. So it doesn't win every category. So that reminds me of like Whole Foods. But honestly, I like Trader Joe's even better than Whole Foods. But my Mm -hmm. wife and I always say that Trader Joe's wins every time we shop there Mm -hmm. because there's just so many like tasty treats that we come home with 10 different pastries that we didn't plan to get every time we go. Right. So why are we talking about grocery stores? Okay. So a lot of us have experiences with grocery stores, right? Like whether you went as a kid or you just like, yes, or you just picked up your milk and bread during the week. We pretty much all have context for grocery stores. Yep. And we probably have fond memories. I still want to hear why we're talking about this. But when I was a kid, we go to Costco, we'd eat like a seven course meal worth of samples. Because <laughs> yes. there is nothing better than appetizer of pizza on a bagel in a grocery cart. <laughs> and buggy, but whatever. <laughs> so see, there's just something about grocery stores that's special, but we don't think about it very often. So, I mean, and most of the time it's even kind of annoying to like plan a trip there. But today, this is why we're talking about it. Okay. Today, we are telling a story of a grocery store that you're going to want to hear. And one of our storytellers, Audra, is talking with some of the founders and people who love it. And just trust me, this is going to be one of your new favorite grocery stores. All right, I'll trust you. 
When we first started thinking about this podcast episode, we knew we had to share the story of the market at East Point. It's the perfect example of the community coming together to solve a problem. It started back in 2019 when the last grocery store in East Oklahoma City unexpectedly closed with less than 36 hours of notice to the residents, which was a huge blow to an area already labeled by the USDA as a food desert. But what could easily be viewed as a problem quickly became the groundwork for something even better. Restore OKC, one of Life Church's local mission partners, started talking with their 22 high school interns, as well as several other members of the community, to figure out a solution. Here's what Kaylee Dodson, executive director of Restore OKC, had to say. We had some wonderful partnerships very quickly collide to do some emergency food distributions from our parking lot. So that was all mostly coordinated with Skyline Urban Ministries, Lynn Institute, Regional Food Bank, some wonderful partners. But it was all run by our community advisory board, which is a group of neighbors who really oversee most everything we do. We gathered that community advisory team and a group of neighbors who'd been utilizing those food resources and and asked, you know, if it would serve in any way to offer that space as sort of a temporary food pantry. And what occurred was wonderful in terms of just the trust that was established to be able to say uh, what they did, which was no, unanimously no, we do not want a food pantry. We've got food pantries. They will always serve a need and we're so grateful for them and the way that they serve. But frankly, what we want is a grocery store. After some brainstorming and initial experimentation, a partnership with Restore OKC and Homeland formed. Mark Jones, the CEO of Homeland, decided to collaborate with the community to create a new kind of business model for the grocery store, which became the market at East Point that I'm pulling up to today. As I walk in, I'm struck by some similarities to a Trader Joe's. It's spacious, it's modern and well-designed, and there's a wide selection of produce. Even better, some of the produce at the market comes from Restore Farms, which is an urban farm that uses sustainable practices and offers hands-on learning experiences for interns. And that's a huge part of the mission of the market at East Point, to move beyond food access and toward food justice and food security. So as you enter the market, to your left, we have 32 feet of allocated space to, to fresh produce. And one of the things that the community has really shared with us that they appreciate is the variety. I'm also struck by the community atmosphere, even though I'm coming in at 8.30 a.m. on a Tuesday. One of the first people to greet me is Thelma, a cashier at the market who has one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen. They're our neighbors. We get to pray. We get to show them love. And they need it. Everything living needs some type of connection. So whether they live down the street and around the corner, they're our neighbors. So it's more than a community here. As I walk throughout the store, I also see the East Side Eatery, which is a cafe within the market for people to grab breakfast, lunch, or coffee. I either get the chicken wing basket or the East Side Burger. For breakfast, I always get the breakfast burrito with everything in it. I really like the fact that they have their health shots. So I love just being able to not have to go all the way to Sprouts to go grab it. I can just go here and also I can't leave without a soy milk. The more I walk around, the more I see that the mission of the market at East Point to provide healthy, affordable food, stimulate economic growth, create jobs and build community is more than just words. It's a reality. It's more than a grocery store. It's also functioning as a place for people to connect and to see their neighbors. They are very excited, forthcoming, and grateful 
that we're here. They've become like family because we see, see the same people basically every day. They're greeted with a smile every time, even though we're wearing these masks. We just love it. We just love this store and, and what it's brought to the community. I'm amazed at how different this experience has been than my normal grocery store routine. I usually try to take the quickest route in and out, but people here have been happy to stay and chat with me for a few minutes at a time. I can't even make it out the door without getting a hug from Thelma and Donis, the two cashiers. I wanted to learn even more about the store, so I reached out to Kaylee and Jonathan Veal, the director of jobs for Restore OKC. Well, Jonathan and Kaylee, thank you so much for being on the You've Heard It Said podcast with us today. Yeah, our pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. So I want to talk to you guys about the market at East Point. I love how you guys surround yourselves with voices from the community and, and not only that, but that you listen to them. And I wonder if you would imagine with me what would have happened had you not had those community voices and had you not listened to them. Mm. Possibly we could have provided something that was not uh, well received by the community. There's definitely a recognition that if we were to just try to go, this is the problem, how do we fix it without the community and the leaders that God mm-hmm. has placed in it, Yeah, we would trend towards finding a relief solution. We, act, mm-hmm. we put a pantry in. Mm-hmm. When the heartbeat is, we want to see God actually rebuild something here. Yeah. And that's how we begin to see communities that have been fractured because we haven't listened and haven't walked well and haven't been neighbors that have loved each other. I think it's such a hard thing to not walk into a situation, make a judgment, and then decide for yourself, like, oh, here's what, here's you what, know, I'm gonna fix here's this. what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think that's just a human struggle. What are some of the things that have helped you overcome that? I think holistically taking a position of humility mm-hmm. when... Organizations come into a community like that, you think, okay, I have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I have all this experience. I have all this education expertise. The community needs me. No, the community doesn't need you. If anything, they need you to uh, sit down and listen Mm -hmm. and put your ego, your your expertise at their feet Mm -hmm. to serve them. Mm -hmm. The more we can serve one another, it just sets the stage for a new work to be done. Yeah, that's really cool. So now if I were to, or if anybody were to walk into the market at East Point, mm-hmm. what are they seeing? What's going on there? They're seeing gritty Whole Foods. <laughs> uh, 7,000 square foot full community grocery store with mm-hmm. a cafe inside. And so it is incredible to see that rolled out and see every department you'd find in a normal grocery store is is there. You know, the, the give take of that maybe instead of 12 brands of every baking soda, you know, you have a name brand and an off and an off brand. And that, that may seem insignificant, but to have the power of choice mm. is liberating. I tell the story all the time. My wife and I when we first got married, I grew up as a brand guy and she grew up as a generic. And so the first mm-hmm. time after we got married, uh, going grocery shop for the first time, we had two baskets. Sixty five percent of was what was in our baskets was duplicated. Oh, <laughs> I had Jiffy peanut butter. She uh-huh. had Great Valley. Always <laughs> right, like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, to, to, to at least to provide options for our community, just to serve, how value you are, you know? Yeah. Pretty That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, so if you were to walk in, you would see, I think, very powerful stories of community leaders and voices who have so shaped our community. And one of the craziest aspects of that store, for sure, is just how much 
unity was on display in terms of partnerships that came together. Everybody is sort of collaborating and wanting to be a part of the same project like that. Mm-hmm. It just is incredibly rare. You've got yeah. city and faith-based groups and nonprofit groups, and everybody's coming to the table and saying, yes, how do we see this vision come to expression? So such a beautiful display, I think, of unity yeah. and, and our community and its leadership in, in some really wonderful ways. And so you talk about what will people experience when they come into the market. It's mm-hmm. literally a community feel. 80% of the employees are from that community, 35% are in walking distance wow. on that market. So you think about the market not being transactional, but an experience mm-hmm. where you walk in there and you may have an idea, think you're going to you grab something and run out, but you end up staying there 30 minutes longer than you expected because you see someone or someone sees you mm-hmm. and they ask about your day or ask about your family member or, or something that, that you guys are relationally connected. You know, I love this. Jesus sees people who actually are going out of their way to not be seen, like yeah, Zacchaeus yeah. in a tree, and Jesus sees him. So for us to think about, you know, do you have to have a two-hour conversation every time you come in the store? No, but will we absolutely make sure that we see you and that there's some incredible partners even just layered around the store that allow us to be not just a grocery store, but a front door for people who need community, need to mm-hmm. be seen. That's really cool. So what are some of the things that will continue to make the market at East Point successful? I would say that, that community feel. That's mm-hmm. who we are. And that's our, our DNA. That's our banner. We can't lose that as an identity. So even from a higher standpoint, we want to keep the 75% of, for that market to be yeah. from that community. For me, it just makes a, a tremendous impact to know that we can provide employment opportunities for individuals in that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say listening to the the community as well. We have a suggestion um, box that individuals can write in, hey, have you thought about putting this in the store? Or they can go directly to anyone in, that's working in the market and say, hey, I'm looking for this. Or our team has been trained to intentionally ask, if there's not something that you found on the shelf, let us know and we'll do our best to, to make sure it's on the shelf. But it's next time you come mm-hmm. in the store. Yeah, I think that just that people over profit is going to just be so critical over the long haul. And Live Church was a huge one of those. And as much foundation helped us basically cover the first three years of operating costs for the grocery store. Yeah. Again, this the community has seen so many sort of grant funded things come and go, make promises and leave mm. that having those partnerships in play has made a huge impact to our ability to say this is staying and it's staying long enough that we can get it right, right? It's yeah. not going to be perfect in day one and it's going to take some learning curve, but we're going to go through that together and we're going to listen and we're going to lean in and we're going to make those tweaks. But then also having those partnerships that understand that vision over the long haul are both so critical to the long-term success of the market. Some people would look at something like a food desert and think, this is a really big problem to try and solve. Did you guys ever have like a similar thought? Yeah, I would <laughs> say it is insurmountable if you try to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you think about Luke 10, Jesus and his disciples out two by two, so they would not try to do things alone, mm-hmm. but do it in relationship and make the invitation to others to come alongside them. I think that for us, the thing that empowered us to move forward knowing that we could not do it by ourselves. That mm-hmm. had to had to be a, a community effort. And knowing, okay, th- 
it's a process. Our community didn't become a food desert overnight, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. won't get out of that situation overnight. So yeah. understanding it's a marathon and not a sprint, I would yeah. say. I think the long-term work, right, is, is, yes, it's daunting to think about how you see a food desert no longer a desert. And one of my favorite phrases at our grand opening was having our farms director sharing something with a news camera about the food desert community that we live in and, and an intern tapped her on the shoulder and corrected her mid-interview says, former, former food desert. Oh, man. Uh, which I love. So, you know, in, in a sense, it's much easier to place physical food access in communities than it is for us. And I think it's critical that we lean in. And Dr. Shante Reese wrote a book called Black Food Geography, just how we got here, how and why food desert communities overwhelmingly are in mm-hmm. minority areas. Mm-hmm. And how we actually think about healing those things, right? Those are sort of the deeper structural realities that, again, we believe very much God cares about and wants to heal. And especially as Restore's mission, we have incredible ministry arm programs, but is to see relationships of reconciliation actually accomplish restorative justice. That's the long haul work mm-hmm. is how do we acknowledge those things and actually see flourishing in these communities and repentance, which we believe, like the gospel, mm-hmm. is out of grace wonderfully both word and deed, right? It's always both. You never see Jesus separate those things. And so again, to bring Zacchaeus up twice, this overflow response of worship that comes because of an encounter with the Savior and his love and the ability to see him is this, hey, if I've defrauded my brother in any way, Jesus didn't say it has to be a minimum of three times. It's just four times over. You know, Mm -hmm. there's this restoration that's doesn't have to be motivated by guilt. There's not some right or wrong threshold, but there is this very real way, I think, in which we get to invite all of us to partner together and go, what does it actually look like to walk in repentance towards one another and not just address a food desert? We can kind of check the box on that, but to address the healing that has to come underneath that in a very real way. Yeah. That's a much more complicated answer. What role do you think a person could play in helping ideas like a grocery store in a food desert come to life? The first one is recognizing that it's not just their problem, but it's our problem. Mm -hmm. If we point the finger and say that's their problem, you're never going to fully engage at a deep level to really help be a part of the the long-term solution. So I would say that's the first step is really just saying her hurt is my hurt. Yeah. Her pain is my pain. And same, her joy is my joy. Loving our neighbor to that extent would probably be the first step. So I wonder if you guys had any stories that you wanted to share that really sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah, I would say day three, we were open. I noticed this lady walks in, pauses, and just starts crying. Mm. So I just kind of engage her, and she just was just so happy that she now has a full-service grocery store in her community. Wow. And she can walk right across the street. We step outside and she points to her house to have that that void filled at a tangible, practical level. She she couldn't explain it. Kaylee and Jonathan, thank you so much for coming and sharing. Grateful for the work that you do and for how you make the community the expert and really listen to them and set that model for everybody else so that we can start doing that too.
learn about the market at East Point, the more inspired I am about this idea of community empowerment. No one person can take credit for the store. It sprang out of everyone coming together, combining their specific skill sets to create a vibrant environment for the community. And this idea of community empowerment is another key area Life Church seeks to make a difference. But honestly, it's the backbone behind all of our efforts to be good neighbors. It's recognizing that we don't have to have the answers, but we can amplify the voices and empower the people who do. I wanted to talk to someone from the East OKC community who has seen the before and after of the store, and I hit the jackpot with Marcus Jackson. Not only has he grown up in East OKC and is a frequent shopper at the store, but he's also passionate about the idea of community empowerment. In fact, he's the director of the Urban Bridge, which is a community development organization that exists to bridge the poverty gap in traditionally underrepresented communities. I think you'll really like what he has to say about all this. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us on the You've Heard It Said podcast. Absolutely. So we wanted to talk to you because whenever we were talking about who's the person who knows the community, someone who's thinking about community empowerment and living it out, things like that, you are the one who came up. So how long have you lived on the east side of Oklahoma City? Let's see. So between 34, 35, but my entire adult life, I've been yeah. Northeast OKC. So what was it like growing up there? There's kind of layers to that question, but I guess I could say that it was very tight-knit as far as, like, I knew everybody that lived in my neighborhood. I knew who lived on the street behind me and the street in front of me. There were elements of gang culture. But growing up there, honestly, I have more memories of the camaraderie. Yeah. So hearing you talk about your neighborhood and also just the culture of community, it kind of makes me think about my own neighbors and my community and wanting to be more like that. So what do you think that we can learn from that coming together that you guys experienced in your neighborhood growing up? I, I really honestly feel like even though we were in an unsafe zip code, mm-hmm. there was a safety I always felt in my neighborhood. But also, one thing I think that people can learn from is, you know, me and my friends sometimes, especially in the summer, parents at work, my mom went to work before we even woke up in the morning. So mm-hmm. we woke up and there was no adult in the house a lot mm-hmm. of times, most of the time. And so no one's cooking breakfast and doing that type of stuff. And we say, well, let's do pancakes. So Mm. one person got milk, one person got eggs, and probably got the mixture. And we all meet up at one person's house and bring, you know, bring me two cups of milk. You bring some eggs over. You bring this. And we'd sit and we'd make breakfast together. It was just kind of a (laughs) thing where it's like, we're all hungry. We're all friends. Yep. And we all have different things to bring to the table. Yeah. I believe it'll be a beautiful thing, not just in our own neighborhoods, but just like we're all neighbors. If I could identify things that I have that you don't and things that you have that I don't, and we say, let's come together and make something so that we can all have more unity, more peace, more conversation, more whatever, or just not be hungry. I think that... A lot of the issues that we see, especially in the conversations of division and things like that, they can't exist. You know, you just can't feel like a person doesn't like you that's literally bringing resources to you. Right. Yeah. If someone wanted to come to my house and make pancakes, I would not have any ill feelings toward them. You just can't hate a person (laughs) making you pancakes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So a lot of what you're talking about sounds like community empowerment, which is one of the areas that our church is committed to making a difference. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, how do you define community empowerment? 
I, I honestly look at community empowerment as the act of giving someone power mm-hmm. without strings attached. Mm. So I don't believe that it's community empowerment if you're doing something to help somebody, but they have to keep coming back to you as the resource of that thing. Mm-hmm. But I believe putting them in a position to where they can take hold of that thing and they can multiply it. Yeah, so at some point you would be able to walk away. And- You'd be able to walk away, but a lot of times people that are raised in poverty are people who are raised in low-income communities. We don't get those chances. Mm-hmm. So I don't get a chance to start something, it failed, and start another one, it failed, and start another one. Yeah. A lot of times what happens is, you know, something comes in, we're more inclined to not fail with that one chance because we know that another chance may not come through the Mm -hmm. door. Mm -hmm. And so I really think empowerment is about trusting that, you know, the trust starts before you write the check. Right. If I don't have the freedom to move in the way I need, I don't feel empowered. I feel like I'm doing someone else's bidding, you know, and it's like, oh, this is something we just want to see happen and then I just work for you. Another thing I'll say, too, about empowerment is that it's really hard to have an empowerment conversation without the conversation of the people in that community having more access to either make income or produce money. Do you think that growing up in such a highly collaborative community is what inspired you towards community empowerment? Yeah, I think that the way I was raised and the culture on the east side it taught me that you can't get a lot done by yourself. Mm-hmm. There's strength in numbers and loyalty is everything. If you can get people on board with you, there's nothing you really can't make happen. How would you say that your knowledge or definition of community empowerment has changed over time? I used to view empowerment as someone giving me a position. Hmm. And that is a level of it. Sure. Um, responsibility. But as I've began in my ministry career, our outreach career, I'm realizing that if the people of the community are empowered and have ownership of what's going on, nine times out of 10, you're going to have better results in that community. But if you try to apply another community's strategy to a community it doesn't apply, Mm -hmm. then it's going to get weird and things aren't going to be great. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of feedback (laughs) from the community and everybody's like, what happened? What went wrong? And it's like, here, pull out the paper and show me who's all involved. That list is what went wrong. Why wouldn't you reach out to the the stakeholders in the community to pull this off? Because they're going to tell you, no, we don't need that. We don't even want that. So the market is a great example of that. It sounds like what years ago you might have thought resources are positioned, but now you're talking about just trust and then letting the people who are living in that community be the experts and really trusting in that expertise. Yeah, and and when I say that, the leaders living in that community. Yeah. A lot of people, when they hear that, they may think, so you're just going around giving $20,000 grants to just randos. And right. That's not really what we're saying, right? Right, right. I mean, there are people who have proven themselves for over a decade straight with limited to no resources mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're committed to the work. And those are the people you can go all in on. Mm-hmm. No one would ever go to Nigeria or Ethiopia and be like, this is what y'all probably want to do. Yeah. You're going to have to find somebody, first of all, that speaks the language, mm-hmm. that understands the culture. But I do believe that 
there is a very dignifying approach to helping a community in a way that empowers that community, but also it helps progress the community to where it could be. Right now you're growing, not putting out fires. Yeah. What is the benefit of trying to create change in and with a community rather than on your own or with a smaller group or even an outside group? From perspective of black dude, east side Oklahoma City, there's not a lot I've been able to get done without relationships that I've made organically outside of the community. So I believe that when you go at it alone, you're missing opportunity for what it could be. Hmm. But when you do that collaboratively, what you're doing is you're bringing more minds to the table, more hearts to the table, more resources to the table that can really help you not only do it, but do it at an excellent level. I just don't think that that's a great place to be is Mm -hmm. by yourself trying to make a world impact because you don't represent everybody in the world. There are people you will meet who's never left the East Side. Mm -hmm. There are people that you may know who's never left Edmond. So you put those two people in a room and it's like, we have two different worlds and your normal isn't my normal. Right. When individuals bring their point of view to the table without considering that someone else's point of view isn't wrong, it's just different. Yeah. We have to come to the table and say, hey, you're from Morocco, you're from France. I need to know what you guys think about this idea mm-hmm. on how we're going to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Right. Both of you are right. So, But let's figure out how to merge that together. Yeah. Because if you're trying to do something that impacts a diverse group, then you're going to need diverse ideas. Yeah in diverse staff, and you're going to have to be diverse with the way you take care of people. So what would you say are some of the success stories of community empowerment in East OKC? I think that the big gleaming beacon is the market. I wondered if you would give us a quick before and after picture of what was it like before the market was there? What is it like now? For us, it was like almost an immediate benefit. We're not having to get on the highway Mm-hmm. just to get garlic. That's it. That's all we mm-hmm. need, garlic. Get on the highway, go to Walmart, Target. But to have something right there in the neighborhood that we can get to, the produce section is incredible. But not only that, the eatery mm-hmm. was serving vegan sandwiches and yeah. vegan chicken nuggets and things like that. It was just so thoughtful yeah. because... To me, when you go to different parts of the city and they offer that, it's because they're aware that there are people that are health conscious. And then when you come to this side of town and it's never offered, it's almost like the notion is people in this community don't care about their health. They'll never do that. Right. That's not true. And I'm talking about personal. Yeah. Like as a resident, to think about food we need and to just be able to go get it without that hassle. My son drives. And Mm -hmm. so to just send him up, 10 blocks to go get some food rather than putting them on a highway. The peace of mind is different. Yeah. And the culture there is incredible. I can honestly say without any sugar code, they didn't pay me to talk or anything. <laughs> like it has made life in the Jackson household just a little bit easier, especially in those busy days. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. And I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people as they're thinking about community empowerment. Thanks for having me and thanks for the work you all do. Okay, so Marcus gave us so many great examples of community empowerment. 
But I just keep thinking about his story of making breakfast with his friends as a kid. Mm -hmm. How each kid would bring what they had, like eggs and milk and flour. And then all of that together would make pancakes, like God's greatest gift to mankind. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, that's community empowerment, right? It's all of us bringing what we have, listening to one another, and then coming together to make something great the way God intended it to be. And that was one of my favorite parts too. I think so often we allow ourselves to see needs and just get really overwhelmed. And then we do one of two things. We either just ignore it, thinking that nothing that we do is going to make a dent anyway, so why would we? Or we jump in headfirst without fully understanding the problems, and then we end up causing more harm than good. Right. But community empowerment, like you said, is this different approach. It's recognizing that communities change from the inside out. And yeah. so if we want to solve problems, we have to get to know people people who understand problems. And often action without empathy leads to atrophy. And what I mean by that is that taking action on these big ideas without knowing somebody's name or their story can often lead to a lot more pain and brokenness. I've definitely done that. I thought, I know the answer to this. I'm going to jump in and fix it. (laughs) Right. So have I. Yeah. But then if we listen and we discover maybe there might not even be a problem, who knows? And we listen and we find out. I think we'll realize that our greatest contributions, like my greatest contributions, are often not my solutions. And it's taking time to build empathy, to listen to others who are smarter or wiser or who have been in the situation longer than us, and then collaborate with others like Marcus talked about. And that's how you get amazing things like the market at East Point. Right. And we've talked about it a lot this season, but it reminds me of the body of Christ because we're all called to the same mission, but we play different roles. Yes. That's the biggest thing that I'm learning from this whole entire season where we're talking about how to neighbor, that neighboring is about learning to live like Jesus together. Hmm. We see it lived out in the early church also in Acts 6. The church is starting to experience some growing pains, right? And the followers of Jesus, they're growing which is a great problem to have, Mm -hmm. but a great problem is still an actual problem. Mm -hmm. And so people have all these ideas about what programs to start, and they're good things, like feeding widows. Mm -hmm. And the disciples, they gather together, and they decide that instead of trying to take that on, in addition to sharing the gospel and everything else they're doing, that they're going to appoint some people to be leaders over each thing. So they chose the leaders. And then in verse 7, it says, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So think about it. Imagine if they hadn't invited people in and they just tried to do it all themselves. They wouldn't have had that same result of the church growing. Right. And when I think about that story of the early church, plus the story we heard today about the market at East Point, I feel way less overwhelmed. We think we have to have these grand plans, but Kaylee and Jonathan said they just started off by listening. They figured out what are the actual needs, and then they were just available to help other people figure out what they're called to do. And the Hmm. same thing for Marcus. He identified a need, he listened to other people, and he formed collaborations of people who can work together to make great things happen in his community. So you don't need to be an expert to make a difference. Like we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to be humble enough, like he talked about, to admit that we don't and then curious enough to start conversations with the people and the leaders who do. Yeah. So neighboring and community empowerment, it will solve problems in your community and it will meet other people's needs. But it's also so much more than that. It's one of the best ways that we can get to know Jesus and learn to follow him. 
So the grocery store story and all these stories we've heard, they're amazing. But if you just listen to them, then they're just information. And we hope that they inspire you to actually take action in your own story and in your city. And we think that that kind of transformation, it almost always starts inside of a conversation with people you trust. So talk about this question with your life group, your friends, your family, and maybe a neighbor. How can I get curious about an issue I really care about? And what perspectives and voices will show me the whole picture? And what step can I take this week? Those are great questions to ask. And so as we wrap up this season, all about being better neighbors in our cities, we want to encourage you to just get curious. Think about some of the areas we've talked about, well-being, families, education, justice, and community empowerment. Which one of them ignited something within (laughs) you? How can you play a role in one or more of those in your city? And to learn more about each area, you can check out www.life.church/neighbor and we'll also provide links in the conversation guide with lots more resources including Bible plans to help you learn more about God's heart for each one of those things. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that you don't miss the question for this week. So one more time, here it is. How can I get curious about an issue I really care about? What perspectives and voices will show me the whole picture? And what step can I take this week? Hi, friends. We hope these stories don't just inspire you, but they also activate you to go out and build relationships with the neighbors in your city. So to help you get started, we have all sorts of resources and questions in the conversation guide, which is always available in the show notes wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about how Life Church is committed to being a good neighbor, you can subscribe to receive some emails about each of the five key areas we're talking about this season at www.life.church/neighbor. Have a great week. <laughs>